Welcome to Truth Talk with John Morgan of Traders Point Church of Christ. Traders Point Church of Christ is located at 8220 West 82nd Street in Indianapolis. More information about worship times and Bible study can be found at traderspointchurch.org. Good morning. Welcome to Truth Talk. My name is John Morgan with the Traders Point Church of Christ. I'm here with our evangelist, Jeremy Bard, and we're going to be in Romans chapter 7 this morning. And this is, I was just telling Jeremy before we started that this has always been a little bit of a difficult chapter for me. I think a lot of that is just because of the way it's written and some of the wording that Paul uses here as he writes this. But chapter 7 is a, is a really important chapter, uh, not just to the people who are reading it in the first century, but to us as well, as it talks about, in some ways, the freedom that we can find. That's kind of the, the theme in chapter 7 and 8, is the freedom that we can find from the law, and then in chapter 8, the freedom that we can find from sin. And so these are important chapters for us as Christians today. So Jeremy, as we get into chapter 7, I think as we've been talking about this seemingly every week, the beginning of this chapter really points us back to an understanding of chapter 6. And so I think it's important for us maybe to do a little bit of a recap so we kind of understand where we're going here in chapter 7 because he immediately jumps into this idea of being dead to something and what that means. And, and that goes back to what we talked about in chapter 6, about how we are to be a part of Christ's death. And so really understanding the connection between these two, I think, helps us understand chapter 7. So, so why don't we start there with just a little bit of a, of a recap, and, and where are we going here in the beginning of chapter 7? Yeah, I think you're exactly right. We've made mention several times. I mean, the book of Romans, a lot of the New Testament books are this way, but certainly the book of Romans is, is definitely that way where, I mean, it, it it is one chapter that builds upon the one mm-hmm. before. And then, you know, chapter 8 builds upon where we'll be in chapter mm-hmm. 7. And chapter 9 will build. And so it's really a good book to study. And it's really a good book if you, you can find the time to read from chapter 1 yeah. all the way to chapter 16. I mean, it reads very easily that way. And it is 16 chapters, but it wouldn't take you an inordinate amount of time to do that. But it reads very logically mm-hmm. and it flows very well from chapter 1 all the way to chapter 16. And so where we were in chapter 16, Six, especially the first half of chapter 6, I mean, it, it is the word dead or death or buried mm-hmm. over and over and over again. And when you dig into it a little bit, as you've said, it, it is the idea that your relationship with Christ certainly versus your relationship with sin is that Christ allows that sin to be put to death, to yeah. be put away. And it, it, it carries with it a finality. It carries with it an understanding that when someone's de- something's dead, it, it's gone. It's not to be right there or brought back even, even the next day. When you put something to death, it is to be put away mm-hmm. and to be put away forever. And that's in a lot of ways what Christ has done is he has freed us from sin. He's freed us at the very end of the chapter, from the wages of sin. And and when we start to think about all of those things that Christ has done, the back half of chapter 6, where that question there mm-hmm. in verse 15 comes in, shall we, shall we sin because we're under law? Uh, we're not under law, but under grace. And so you have now that kind of relationship between the law and grace. And, and certainly Jewish Christians would have been struggling with this kind of question. 
that question and what happens at the end of chapter 6 really rolls in certainly the beginning of chapter 7 mm-hmm. and then you know the end of chapter 7 ultimately will roll into chapter 8 yeah. uh, so it really sits very well so an understanding of chapter 6 is going to help with where we're going to go in chapter 7 and guess what? We'll say that again next week. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He, he begins chapter 7 with this uh, kind of this rhetorical question a little bit. Do you not know, brethren, for I speak to those who know the law, that the law has dominion over a man as long as he lives? And I think that really sets the stage for what he's going to be talking about here. He, he's clearly talking to primarily a Jewish audience at this point. Right. Because he's talking specifically about the law here. And when he talks about this, I think one of the things that might come to their mind as he begins this, and you read that first sentence, the first thought that may come to your mind is, well, I'm not dead. Right. I'm not, I'm not dead. And so, so therefore, I must still be bound by the law. And I think that's exactly what Paul wants you to think mm-hmm. when you read that first sentence. Because what he's going to do over the course of this chapter is really draw the distinction between physical and spiritual And what he wants these people to see is that if you truly understand chapter 6, if you truly understand what we talked about when we talked about being buried with Christ in baptism, if you really understand that, then what that's going to lead you to is an understanding here that you have died to the physical side. You have died to the law. It's the spiritual being that now lives within you. That's what's going to be talked about throughout the rest of this chapter is, is that battle that wages inside of people between the physical and the spiritual. And so he begins this chapter, I think, by immediately putting you in that state of mind by bringing up the topic of being alive or dead. Right. That, that's really the question that we have to, to ask ourselves because physically, you and I are sitting here, we're talking to each other, so we are alive. But in a real sense, if we understand chapter 6, in a real sense, when it comes to the flesh, we have died to the flesh. And that's what Paul wants these people to see who are still struggling with an understanding of the relationship between the law and the law under Christ. You know, it's interesting, especially the last two chapters, you you have these questions that are thrown out by Paul. We've made mention of the one there in verse 15, but really the beginning of chapter 6, you know, starts with a question. The beginning mm-hmm. of chapter 7 yeah. starts with a question. And, and, you know, we've made mention before, you know, whether it is, you know, Paul dealing with direct question that questions that he has heard before, or he's just you know, kind of lining out his thoughts in this kind of way, knowing that these are some of the thoughts that are going to go on in, in people's minds. And, and I think think you're exactly right. This sets them up into a position of saying, listen, let's really let's really talk about the difference physically and spiritually. Mm-hmm. Let's really talk about the relationship then that we're going to have with this world and the relationship we're going to have being in Christ. And all of that is built off of chapter 6. There's no question about it. But it does kind of, it causes us to, you know, to think because, yeah, physically, yeah, I'm alive. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm talking, I'm looking, and they would have been listening to this as mm-hmm. Paul has wrote to them or, you know, whatever the case may be. But the point is going to be made, listen, sin is spiritual death. Mm-hmm. And so if that is what our life is about, that physically we can be doing everything that, you, that we've talked about, living and being around and listening and speaking and, and all of that, but at the same time being spiritually dead. Mm-hmm. And so he's really going, probably from this point forward in the entirety of the book, it'll really be pressing the spiritual side of man. It, it really will be pushing towards the physical 
sinful man. He's been put mm-hmm. away. Now our focus has to be on the spiritual side of man. And certainly with Christ, that's where our focus needs to be. And that's kind of how he opens, I think, a little bit of here of chapter 7. And I think another important point of this that he, he brings up here in this first six chapter or first six verses here of chapter 7 one of the points he brings up is this example that he gives of a woman who has been married to a husband. If her husband dies, is she still bound by the law of marriage? And the answer is no, her husband is dead. And I think one of the things that, that he's also pointing out here, not only our personal relationship to the spiritual versus the physical or the flesh, but also the fact here that the law, the law that these people were so attached to, with Christ, it died. Right. The law itself died. When Christ hung on the cross, he took the law with him. And they need to understand that. They need to understand by, by that law dying with Christ, they're no longer bound to it. They now have this opportunity to serve Christ under the new law. They're no longer bound to the old law. And, and that can be, I think that could have been faith shakening if that's a phrase or a word to use sure, there we'll take it. For, for for these people in a lot of ways to think that what their entire heritage was built upon is no longer there for them that that probably could have caused a lot of uncertainty yeah. in some ways but i think what again what paul's wanting them to see here is is the disconnect from the physical and the connection to the spiritual. And that takes place by them dying to the flesh and also the law dying with Christ. And when both of those things happen, we now have a new creature that is under a new law. And that's that's really what he wants them to see here. Yeah, you know, it's interesting the very beginning of this chapter and the illustration that's used of, you know, this woman who has a husband who's who's been uh, who, who's died and now she's free to marry another or you know, if he's still living and she marries another that she's mentioned as being an adulteress and you know, it, it, we, we see that illustration and and we may be tempted to think that now Paul has kind of switched gears to yeah. talk about marriage right. or he's talking about adultery or he's talking about, yeah. you know, all of those things. I mean, we've got to that's not the point of this in any way. I mean, don't go to Romans chapter 7 when you're talking to someone about, you know, marriage and the relationship between husband and wife. That's not what's being talked about right here. But the point is there, and even he has that little, you know, that little side jab almost to the brethren who are trying to live in both worlds to say, listen, you've got to be keeping the old law because that's what we've got to do. But yet, I I like Christ as well. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the point that he's making is, listen, those two things don't, they can't coexist. Namely, because the law, and you've rightly said, the law has been put to death. But the point now, I I think it's almost kind of a, a positive thing that he's reminding them of, is because the law has been put to death, you are now freed to marry or connect yourself to something else. Mm-hmm. Now, specifically, that's Jesus. Right. But he's trying to get them to understand you're freed to go all in with Jesus in every capacity. And I think in a lot of ways, it's kind of that positive you know, reinforcement for them that, listen, it's time to focus fully in on Jesus. That is what all of the things we've talked about from chapter 6 backwards. Yep all leans on Jesus, and certainly culminating in in chapter 6 where we were last week. And I think the natural conclusion then, and and Paul has addressed this already a couple of times, as they're hearing this and they're thinking about the law being put to death, I think one of the questions or one of the thoughts that may come up is what Paul then addresses in the beginning of verse number 7, 
which is, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? Mm-hmm. It's this idea, and again, he's dealt with this before. It's this idea of when Paul talks about the old law being done away with, a lot of the, the questions that may arise from the Jewish community is, well, then what was its purpose in the first place? Right. Was the law just worthless? Did it have any point? Is, it, is there anything worthwhile in regards to the law? And, and that's a natural question that, that probably arose among those people. And Paul multiple times addresses that, and he does here in a very interesting way by saying, absolutely not. What the law did for you is very important. Because what he goes on to point out here is that because of the law, you understand sin. Right. And that can't be overstated enough that without the law, man wouldn't have an understanding of what sin is. These first century Christians wouldn't know what they're dying to if they didn't have the law first to point out sin and to help them understand sin. The law served an incredibly important purpose in that regard. And in some ways, it still does for us today to be able to go back to the Old Testament and to read some of those things. It gives us some insight into how God thinks. It gives us insight into His character and what He wants from mankind and the type of relationship that He wants with us. All of those things are revealed through the law. And so the law served a really important purpose. And Paul wants to make sure that they understand The law was very important, so important that without it, you wouldn't have an understanding of what sin really is. Yeah, and why is that important? I mean, I know we've gone back and forth with chapter 6 and Mm 7, but we've talked about how all of these chapters really tie, you know, in together. You know, so why is that knowledge base so important? I mean, the very last verse of chapter 6, the wages of sin is death. Now, I know I don't want any part of that, especially (laughs) the death part. Well, I've got to then. I got to have an understanding of what sin is all about, yeah. and in order to have that understanding, the law equipped us for that. Mm-hmm. Certainly, for the Jewish brethren here, you go back to the law of Moses. It, it, it gives us an understanding that listen, God says, "You shall not covet, you shall not murder." Mm-hmm. Now that has been you know set in stone, and and, and the simplest definition of sin. It's transgression of the law. Mm-hmm. And so for there to be sin, there had to be law. I mean, that's, you know, that's the reality of it. And for these brethren, now it, is, it was a law of Moses for generations and generations and generations. And you know, for them to, you know, to look at that as something that was put to death, it's a, it's a mental struggle for them. And yeah. it, it, it was something that makes, you know, makes sense, especially if we expand our study outside the book of Romans and you can mm-hmm. get into, you know, you get into other, in other passages, certainly the book of Galatians, there's a lot to talk about the law and certainly the importance of the law, the law of Moses and, and what it did for, you know, what it did for those folks. And it's not the actual, you know, keeping of the law or circumcision or any of those things, it comes down to are we leaning on that for justification? Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, you're gonna you're gonna miss it. Yeah. Because the only justification is going to be found in Christ and being baptized into Christ is the only way that you're going to put that sin to death. And that's exactly where we've mm-hmm. just seen. One of the as I was thinking about this and, and reading about this, the uh, the verse here where Paul talks about the law helped him understand covetousness, and he wouldn't have known that without the law. I, I thought about that for a long time, just thinking about what, what he was trying to get across. And one of the examples, and it may be a bad one that came to my mind as I was thinking about that, was you know, if you're, if you're driving down I-65 here in Indianapolis, if there's no speed limit, 
then there's also no, no such thing as speeding, mm-hmm. right. right? Because there's no speed limit. Right. But as soon as a speed limit is posted, you can now be guilty of speeding and you have an understanding of what speeding is. Right. And that's kind of what Paul is talking about here. If you were just going through life with no law, you would have no understanding of sin. You'd have no understanding of covetousness. You'd have no understanding of immorality. You'd have no understanding of those things. But when the law came into place, that shined a light that illuminated sin in the lives of people. We had the opportunity to understand right and wrong, to understand sin on a much deeper level. And Paul is pointing out here that that is a good thing. That's a good thing to understand that. And that's one of the benefits of the law. And so when we, we stay, take a step back from that, I think it's important for us uh, to, to give that some serious consideration too. Do, do we allow the Bible to do its job in illuminating and, and deciding right and wrong? Mm-hmm. Because that is one of the purposes of law. To, to illuminate what is right and what is wrong. And that, that, is a, that is an important purpose of God's law, both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, to shine a light on that in our lives so that we can see that. So then we can see the dangers of sin, as you pointed out. We can see the need to, to put that side of our life to death because we understand right and wrong in the way that God wants us to. And I think it's interesting and probably important for us to kind of make the point that, you know, when he's going through all these things and he makes, you know, makes the point that the laws been you know been put to death i mean he, he he's shining the light on the law of moses and, mm-hmm. and you know on all of those things sometimes we can read through maybe a passage like romans and you know come away with well all law even today has been you know there's no right. law there's no law of moses there's no law you know even today yeah. but even as you just said if we if we kind of logically take that out if there is no law, there is no sin. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, the very definition of sin is transgression of law. Yeah. And so if there is no law, so the law of Moses, it has been put to death. It has served its purpose. I think you're right. That's, what, that's what's being talked about here and in countless other places in the New Testament. But yet we're still under law. I mean, the, mm-hmm. you know, the book of James will make the point about, you know, the, the law of liberty, the law of Christ is made mention of in the pages of the New Testament. And, and so that reality is still there. And so those lessons are still there. Yeah. And, and you're right. God's word has provided that for us, that, that we know what's right and we know what's wrong. The law is still given to us here, given to us by God. And if we go against it, Sin is still there. So mm-hmm. if we're going to try to live a life where it says, listen, well, there's just no law ever. I mean, I'm just I'm free to do whatever I want to do. There is no law. Well, if there is no law, there is no sin. Yeah. And ultimately, from where we've been, if there is no sin, I don't need Jesus. Yep. And when you start to carry that out, yeah. I, I don't, that doesn't sound very good. No. There is law. There is sin. We desperately need Jesus in a lot of ways. That's what the book of Romans is trying to get, you know, to get everybody to. And certainly for the Jewish Christians, you know, it's something specific that they would have had to draw down on. And it's a challenging thing. And I think, you know, in the back half of chapter 7, I think Paul gets into how challenging certainly it is. Yeah, because one of the things he's pointing out here is that by the law illuminating sin in your life, now that you have that understanding, you, as you pointed out, you want to find the way in which you can be saved from that. Right. That's, that's the next step in that process. Once you understand sin, once you recognize sin in your own life, 
then because you understand what he said there at the end of chapter 6, that the wages of sin is death, because you understand that through the law, now you should be looking for how do I get out of this mess, right? right? How, how do I get out of this mess that I've created because of sin? And that's what he's going to start talking about here. First and foremost, he's going to address the idea that it can't happen through the law. Right. The law did its job by illuminating sin, by defining sin for you, but the law itself cannot save you from sin. And as you pointed out, that's where Christ really enters the picture, and that's yeah. how he's really going to conclude chapter 7 in a lot of ways. But he wants them to see that there is a progression that has taken place here. The law did its job by shining a light on sin, and now you need to recognize that that law is not what's going to save you. There's another step in this process. Enter Jesus. That's where all this is going to culminate with, Him on the cross for the forgiveness of your sins. But they first have to understand, and these are, are Jews who have been raised under the law and taught it at a very high level, a lot of them. They need to recognize that they cannot find salvation in this law that they have held to so tightly. That's why grace is such an important concept in this book. I mean, you know, it's brought up in chapter 5, and that's where you have the very beginning of, you know, chapter 6 with that question that, you know, that Paul, listen, can, should I just continue to sin so that grace can abound? And, and you, you see all of those things, again, in verse 15, what shall we? Of, of chapter 6 and not under law but under grace and, mm-hmm. and we have all of these things because that's where th- that is you're, you're right enter, enter in Jesus and now he, he has put us in a position to, to overcome mm-hmm. I mean he's put us in a position to overcome and it, it is a tremendous thing but it still it, it still it still comes with conditions it yeah. still comes with a, a, a measure of focus it still comes with a, certainly a measure of self-discipline and control. And I think in a lot of ways, the back half of chapter 7, th- that's what the Apostle Paul is talking about, it is when we start to think about all that Jesus has done, I, I want that. And so now I'm, I'm starting to discipline my body. I'm starting to discipline my self-will. Probably is a better way to say that. I'm trying to discipline that self-will towards Jesus. And, uh, you know, at times that can be a challenge. Yeah. And it could be a challenge for Paul and certainly the people that he's writing to here. And most certainly it could be a challenge for us. Absolutely. I mean, when you read through this this last section, I shared with you at the beginning that this is hard for me to follow <laughs> sometimes. And, you know, I, I imagine I'm not the only one that reads through this and think, I need to read that again because <laughs> I didn't really follow all of that. But as you start to read through here, I think the point that you made is a good one. What we begin to see is that battle that wages, right? right? The battle between flesh and spirit that is going to wage amongst men. And and that's really what Paul is describing here in a lot of ways is, is how are you going to deal with that? Because if you, try and, if you try and save yourself from that by the law, that's going to fail. If right. you try to do it by yourself, that also is going <laughs> yeah. to fail. And so he, he's walking us through the process by which we can win this battle, right? Because he, he goes on to talk about here, about, you know, there are things within his flesh that, that he does, but he doesn't want to do. And, and you can just kind of hear in his writing that this is a man who has experienced this battle within him. And I think all of us have experienced that at some point or another. We've all experienced what it feels like to do something that we know we shouldn't do or the desire to do something that we don't want to do. That, that's what Paul is describing here in a lot of ways. But I think what's also important is to make sure we carry that to its conclusion here at the end of chapter 7. Because that battle, 
there should be a clear victor in that battle. Right. That, that's not a battle that we can just continue to let wage all, for as long as it wants to in any way that it wants to. There needs to be a victor in that battle, and that victor needs to be the Spirit, and that victor needs to come through Jesus Christ. A lot of times I think, you know, a, a passage a lot of people will throw out, I can do all things through Christ who th- strengthens me, and that's used in all kinds of settings, right? I mean, it's used on the sports fields. It's used everywhere, <laughs> right? Right. This, I think, is what that passage is talking about in a lot of ways. I can overcome the flesh through Christ who strengthens me. This is a battle that I can win, not because of the law, not because of my own strength, but because of Christ. Because of that, this battle can be won, and the spirit can be victorious, and the flesh can once and for all be put to death. Yeah, I think the key that of, of what you're saying is you know, to make sure that when we're reading through this, we don't end uh, the chapter at verse 24, yeah. that we, we <laughs> include verse 25. Right. But I think sometimes we, 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 we do. We conclude yep. it in verse 24 because we, we look at this, and, and, and you know we make a mistake and we, we beat ourselves up over that and you know sometimes it just it, it, it may come down to what's the point mm-hmm. or I don't have the energy to to continue to do it or you know everybody else has just given in already and it just that seems a lot easier and it seems yeah. a lot more fun or whatever you know it may be and you just it you get to the point where you're just like, I just don't know if it's worth it or not. And and when we get to that point, we have forgotten Romans one through one through yeah. six. Yeah. If we get to the point where it says, I just I don't think it's it's worth it anymore. Well, we we've forgotten mm-hmm. because if that's the point, we're welcoming the wrath of God. I mean, that's what we're doing. We're welcoming the wrath of God. And I'm not interested in the wrath of God. And because of that, listen, the book of Romans helps me to avoid that Mm -hmm. in every way. And so I've got to stay on task. I've got to stay focused. I've got to be able to push those fleshly, worldly things aside and focus in on the spiritual side of of myself. And I've got to be able to do that. And you're right. Can, Can I do that outside of Christ? I can't. Can I even do that on my own. I think I think that's a big point of what Paul's talking about right mm-hmm. here. If he's doing it on his own, it's verse 24. Yeah. Oh wretched man that I am. I mean, if he's going to do it on his own, that's where he, that's where he is. But he doesn't. Who's going to deliver me from death? He says at the end of verse 24. It's not Paul. Yeah. It's not the law. I mean, th- those two things aren't going to do it. It's Jesus. And so I think that's in a lot of ways what we have there in verse 25 where you have Paul he, he, he's I mean, he's overjoyed. I mean, in his you know his gratuity here towards God and his thankfulness towards God that because he's doing something that Paul can't do, yeah. he's doing something for him that the law can't do, is delivering him from from sin. And he thinks about that, and he focuses in on that, and he says, "Man, I mean, I'm just I'm I'm overwhelmed." by what Christ has done for me and, and put me in this position. And then, listen, that sets us up in a lot of ways for chapter 8 that really begins to showcase on how this happens and gets done. Yeah, I, I love the, the the point you made there about verses 24 and 25. And I think in a lot of ways, that, that little bitty space between the question mark at the end of <laughs> verse 24 and the start of verse 25 is where you insert grace. Yeah, that's right. And I think I wish that space was a little bit bigger in my Bible because I would write it in there. I've got it written out in the margin, but I, I would write it in there because that really is where grace is seen. 
because we are lost. We are the wretched person that we are, but it's through the grace that Christ brought to this world that we have the opportunity to put that old man to death and to be alive in him. That's what, that's what grace is to us. It gives us that opportunity to, to have that new life in Christ. And I think verse 25 is just such a, a beautiful conclusion to the thought that Paul has had here throughout this last part of, of chapter 7. Because what you're seeing is someone who has really come through all of this. He's thought through this, he's studied through it, he's experienced it, and he has come through on the other side. And the recognition that he has as he now looks back is that it's all because of Christ. It's all because of Christ that he is where he is as he's writing this. You know, Paul was a man who was raised a devout Jew. He was someone who, who knew the law frontwards and backwards. He's, he's experienced everything that he's talked about here in chapter 7 firsthand. And he gets towards the end, and you can just see the experience that Paul has here leading him to this obvious conclusion that thanks to Jesus Christ, I am not what I once was. And that, that hopefully is something that all of us can say at some point. What we see here at the end of the chapter is what we see is guilt fulfilling its purpose. Yeah. You know, there's, it, it, when, yeah. when we feel guilty of breaking the law of Christ, when we feel guilty about that, the purpose of guilt is to focus us back on God. That's the purpose of guilt. Now, we, we misuse it all the time. I mean, Satan will use it in lots of different ways. I mean, you know, oftentimes we'll use guilt and, you know, it, it becomes a throw-in-the-towel situation or it becomes a I-can't-do-it situation or it becomes so self-deflating that we just give up scenario. Well, no, the purpose of guilt that's what's happening in verse 24 is to get us to verse 25, to yeah. focus us in on God. And that's, I mean, we see that playing out. A guilt is something we're familiar with. Yeah. But we can never lose sight about what the purpose for guilt is. And the purpose for guilt is to bring us back to Christ and then get rid of that guilt. I mean, throw, throw that thing away, not hold on to it. I mean, that's another issue that people will have. But it's fulfilled its purpose, almost like the law of Moses. It is, it is gone. It's behind me. And that's what we see in a lot of ways here at the end of chapter 7. Absolutely. We'll go ahead and stop there. We'll thank everyone for taking a few minutes. Uh, out of their day to to study along with us. Uh, We'll continue our study next week in chapter 8, so if you want to read ahead and get ready for that, please do so. We want to thank you for your time this morning. If you're interested in continuing our study or worshiping with us, we'd love to invite you to do that. Uh, You can find us at traderspointchurch.org. You can send us messages on Facebook, or we'd love to have you come and visit us sometime if you have the chance to do that. We meet at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings for Bible class, followed by worship at 10 and again at 6 p.m. Sunday evening. We also have a midweek Bible study on Wednesday night at 7. So please come and join us any chance that you might get. So thank you again. We'll talk to you again next week. You've been listening to Truth Talk with John Morgan of the Traders Point Church of Christ. Traders Point Church of Christ is located at 8220 West 82nd Street in Indianapolis. More information about worship times and Bible study can be found at traderspointchurch.org. You can hear Truth Talk every Sunday at 10 a.m. right here on 98.9 FM WYRZ.